quiet one voice that stands alone I can one choice to man the throne Stand gone and take shots Give it all I got All I got is this microphone Hey, what's going on, man? Welcome to Pulp Revelators. This is another installment of the best podcast you will ever hear in your life. Got a couple questions for you. The first one is going to be to all these guys here. What books have guided your life? I'm going to start with my buddy, Zach, because he is on my left right now. And I just need to know this, Zach, what books have guided your life thus far? Thus far. If thus I had far. to guess... Horton, here's a who. Mm-hmm. Green I eggs and ham. Green eggs and ham was my one jam. One fish, two fish, red yeah, fish. At least one of the Bernstein Bears books. Oh, that yes, <laughs> that was that was one real. Of my that was so ones. real. Because <laughs> I was trying to think of like what I read when I was really young. <laughs> yeah, Bernstein Bears was definitely it. Thank you, Gary. Dang, that the case of the Galloping Guineas. I didn't read a lot of. Uh, Doctor Who, though. Not, not Doctor Who. Doctor, uh, Doctor <laughs> Lies. Lies. I watched a lot of Doctor Who. You know how I know you're a comic nerd? Because you literally just said Doctor Who on accident. Yeah, you confused Seuss and Who. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. They're both doctors, so you got that going. So, for me, when I was younger, I started off with a lot of, because I come from a very big family of readers, but I started off with a lot of fantasy books um, with very distinctive um, roles of you know good versus evil. So like the Lord of the Rings, the uh, King Arthur, his book, and then uh, the Red Wall series. Anyone read those? Those are your your family probably did. My brother did. Yeah, no, they were really good. Um, the mice. Yes, yeah. the mice and the talking animals. Oh, three blind. Oh, okay, never mind. Not three blind mice. And then the Dragonlands books. Um, no animorphs. <laughs> animorphs too. I did read the animorphs. Yeah. That was that was. Uh, read those for a while. I see. I knew this podcast particularly was going to take you guys nerd level to a whole different geekdom, but and I appreciate it because I have no idea what anybody's talking about right now. Good. You never watched animorphs? He doesn't watch it. No, I don't know how to read. TV show. Was yeah. there? TV show. Do you have to read so the TV show? Uh, no. <laughs> it was all right after Power Rangers, man. I do watch. I, I do remember. <laughs> I remember Power Rangers, but I thought they were all a little too feminine until the one dude turned the green guy came in. So, and I still read a lot of the fantasy books now. Read a lot of Harry Potter growing up. All the Harry Potters. All the Harry Potters. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the, uh, the, the the screenplays that they... I didn't read those. I read the actual Harry Potter books. Hold on, so Tim, you read screenplays like that? The most interesting thing about the Harry Potter books to tie it into, you know, the whole comic world is how similar the character of Harry Potter was to Neil Gaiman's uh, Tim Hunter from the Books of Magic. Uh, if you ever get a chance, look that up. Uh, of course, Tim Hunter, because you guys are all looking at me like I just grew a new appendage out of my forehead. But um, the uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, come again. But um, very defensive about my childhood. Tread lightly. No, because it was funny. There was a lot of people that pointed that out because Tim Hunter came out first in the books of magic from DC Comics and the Vertigo series, um, and you know they asked Gaiman, the author, and it finally came out, and he was like. Things like this happen all the time. He's like, people, when they get creative, you know, it doesn't mean that she copied or that this happened. He's like, we probably developed the characters around the same time or she could have developed it before me. He's like, this just happens. And so it was really cool how he came out and was just like, look, drama queens, right. stop. They're both enjoyable. Yeah, stop starting beef. Yeah, just, just this- read the books. So it was kind of neat. But go on, back to our regularly scheduled Zach program. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're in your childhood right now. So. Okay, we're still in my childhood? Yes, okay, thank back. you for bringing me back <laughs> yeah, to my childhood. Uh, and then... It was a magical place. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> then as I grew up, I started reading more sci-fi. Dune is probably my favorite book now. Um, and then college, high school... Or high school, college time you, frame. You, you might have went backwards. I don't know. You could have did it that way. I believe you. There's a lot of philosophy and Eastern philosophy and psychology books. Which that was my major was psychology. Uh, I still do read a lot of psychology books. Um, 
And then now, well, C.S. Lewis is a huge uh, influence on my life and my faith. Um, and, of course, the Bible. And hey, I was going to say that, though. You can't use that one. Uh, I went first. Oh, so it means you can't use it without copying me. You won. You set um, the boundaries right now. And uh, different books of the Bible is influences me at different times of, I mean, different seasons of my life and when I'm, depending on what I'm feeling. and If you ever feel begotten, you know. Is you there anything that's got you right now? Um, for right now, uh, Ecclesiastes is very, um, very influential. It's a book I've read over and over again. Uh, the author is just someone who has seen the and and struggled with the, the different brokenness and injustice in the world and he's trying to level it with the god's promise to humanity um and so that's just the the book and with what i do for my job i still see a lot of that and i'm and it, it's and just his struggle with how how the world is and how he you know, how God's promise is, um, it, it's just, it's the same struggle that I have. So when I read through that, it's, it's, it's comforting and it gives me a lot of wisdom to kind of move through the different struggles I have. Um, and then I'm currently reading uh, The Deepest Well, the Healing the Long-Term Effects of um, Childhood Adversity by Nadine Harris. Who did it? Did someone bully you as a kid? We can go meet them right now, bro. And pray for them. I'm just saying we're going to pray for them. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to pray for them. Pray for their recovery. Yeah. We're going to tell anyway. them, hey, I'm reading the deepest well, and I forgive you. you got to forgive so, them. You know what I mean? And that, that's a book that just goes along with my work. Oh, dancing. He said, yes. He, he interp he's an interpretive dancer, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He can, you know, if you comment your story of your life, he'll interpret it and dance, and we'll post that video. Strikes me as classical trade. I, I, I believe it. Like Napoleon Dynamite, probably. Yes. <laughs> that classic. That is. That's a classic. You got me. That's a classic dance right there. It is. I had a high school teacher who could do the entire dance. That's sad. I was just watching this video where it was the Napoleon Dynamite dance with Old Town Road. Oh, <laughs> oh my it's so perfectly so funny. Crap! Now you're gonna make me look that up. Yeah. You can't not look that up now. He's just got so many moves. Scarecrow, what about you, man? What what books have guided your life? Uh, well, I'm an avid reader. In, fi in fact. Um, it's kind of been an escape mechanism of mine my entire life. Whenever things are going bad, I could always read, read, yeah. you escape, yeah. you know, um, hence escape mechanism. But, uh, <laughs> I knew that meant something like that. No. So, I mean, it, just tons of books. I, I'm, I've read a lot. Uh, when we moved here from Baltimore, we had no TV, no nothing. I mean, we moved from cable land to like two channels. When right. I was a kid, when I was ten, so my parents would take us to uh, Cable Land's a place, Zach. <laughs> the Denton Library <laughs> to get books every week to read, and I was always an avid comic book reader. We'll throw that out there up front. But um, I really have, like uh, Zach and mine, I mean, I'm a King Arthur. One of my favorite books is the Once and Future King yes. by Keith White. Um, really great book. That's uh, what I was thinking of when I said that. Yep, really, really good book. Oh. Um, I love, uh, like, comic book-wise, like I said, I've always read comics, but, man, the book that I would say just completely revolutionized my view of comics was The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. I mean, when that came out, it was just so completely different from anything I had ever read. I mean, you know, Batman failed. You know, he, uh, Batman killed the Joker in that story. It was just, like, a completely different... Batman. He was a Batman, and kind of at the end of his life, uh, broken down. So yeah, it was kind like of human. Like, he was like, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like you know, you read the stories up until then, and it was like more like the you know, not to knock any of the writers. The uh, comics were really great, 
Um, but in my memory, since I was so young, it was more like the Super Friends, where you're like reading this comic, and then it's like, meanwhile, back to the whole justice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, so when you read that, it's like, wow. Um, but I guess now if I had to pick, um, you know, still many comics, I mean, we share so many and it'll come up in many podcasts as we talk about the different comics. We're constantly sending stuff back and forth in our text chains, but, um, I'm pretty much just started reading Planetary by Warren Ellis again and reading a lot of Warren Ellis work. And it's just the ideas he threw into that one series were, it's just pretty incredible. And I remember, uh, I was actually in basic training before it ended, so I had to go away for a few months. Yes, I'm throwing in the whole cool army reference again. Hey, you're cool. You, you don't even have to do that. <laughs> you're you're cool. cool. We're not ready for the Marine Corps yet. <laughs> but I, um, so I, and I had to go track down the issues when I got out because I had to see how that ended, and it was great. Uh, so right now I'm also rereading a book by Earl McManus called The Barbarian Way. And it's, you know, a few years ago, I found it in our church library and had to buy it because it really kind of put, you know, how we should see our faith into perspective for me, at least, you know, kind of how, um, how I've always liked to approach it. You know, he kind of compared us to, we've almost kind of twisted in our society, in our Christian society to almost become closer to being Pharisee-like than we were like the early Christians. And he, did, he describes John the Baptist a lot. You know, John, to that society back then and to society even now, you know, he lived in the desert, ate locusts, and wore animal skins. You know, the closest we have to that are the people that live in the desert, eat locusts, wear animal skins, and then have a tinfoil hat on because they're trying to escape the government. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was kind of like, you know, he, he was the barbarian. He was seen as a barbarian back then. Your early Christians, they left their families. They did everything that was kind of different. So it was a really uh, eye-opening book for me. And if I had to, you know, book of the Bible that I focus on and go back to all the time is Judges. Um, and the reason why is, yeah, yeah, it's full of war and all that. It's an exciting, manly book. But it's more because the theme of it. In every judge, God chose someone that we would all, if he chose that individual nowadays, we would be like... What is going on? He made the wrong choice. You know, it's like, you know, it's always the person that you would least expect to be chosen to lead the people out of um, whatever trouble they've gotten themselves into. Because that's the same other pattern. It's like things go well. They get the Israelites get themselves in trouble. A judge needs to be delivered to get them back out. And it just always reminded me of this quote that I heard somewhere. I'm sure it's a TV movie or a movie somewhere, but it, um, the main character said that heroes are just scared men that make the worst decision at the wrong time or the worst decision at the right time. Right. So it's kind of like, if you think about it, most of your heroes, most of your heroic acts aren't acts of self-preservation. They're more acts of servitude. Um, they're acts of someone who's sacrificing their own safety or their own comfort to rescue or give someone else that comfort. Right. So I, I've always kind of gravitated to that book. That's that introduction. I think it's in the barbarian way where he talks about Robert the Bruce mm -hmm. and having James Douglas take his heart out and they're in this war. And so Robert the Bruce, I'm actually related to Robert the Bruce, by the uh -oh. way. Uh-oh. Yeah, right. Name, name know, dropping. Yeah, name dropping. Okay. Anyway. When Robert the Bruce died, he wanted James Douglas to take his heart out and put it around a chain and wear it like as a necklace kind of yeah, thing. Charm. That's yeah. nice. Right? <laughs> so they go to battle and there's this huge army in front of them and Douglas takes the chain and he like wheels it around and he throws it into the middle of the battlefield and it charges everybody up and he says, fight for your king's heart. Dang. And that is such a, yeah. Yeah, that's epic right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I couldn't see him walking around with no heart medallion around his neck but that no, was the actual heart yeah, yeah. no I'm saying no, yeah. it's a heart medallion around his neck like it's like hey what, I like your necklace it's like it's a heart bro like it changes everything but throwing it in the field and saying fight for your king's heart that's that's tough Dio prefers to wear his heart on his sleeve I do 
But uh, no, I um, but absolute favorite fiction book is uh, Watership Down by Richard Adams. Um, is that the Bunny Rabbit? That is, <laughs> about that is absolutely the Bunny Rabbit book. Put the bunnies down. Um, <laughs> yes, there's a lot <laughs> of tragic bunnies. Um, no, it's Spoiler actually alert. it's based on the Odyssey, uh, and it's a pretty incredible story. Like if you actually sit and read it instead of knocking it, Mr. Berenstein Bears. Yeah, uh, oh, but, uh, you're the last. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a story of these. Uh, Yes, rabbits that speak like humans, have their own language and their own religion, um, finding a new home and having to keep it from, you know, a bunch of evil rabbits or warlike rabbits. It's a really good book. You should read it. I have, um, that's two books that are generally carried everywhere with me are, is The Barbarian Way and Watership Down. I'm pretty sure Watership Down is currently in my backpack. Army. Just you know, you got to say army after something like that. Cause, <laughs> yeah, you got to say army after something like that. But you have daughters, so like no, I'm trying to educate them on rabbit gangs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> much, you never know. I don't trust Tim's rabbit. He got rabbits last time we were here. They they was trying to rob me. I think they was plotting to jump me and rob me. So I'm pretty sure. Assassin rabbits. Yeah, like little ninjas. I Assassin can't remember. police rabbits. Yeah, I they can't. recognize the thug. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they got. Hopefully, they're fast because I'm going to disappear on them. So, what about you, Tim? What, what books have guided your life up until this point? I don't. I don't know that I have books necessarily guided my life. I'm always reading. Um, I don't. I'm not like Dustin or, or Zach. I kind of heard you guys before talk. You know, philosophy and. Hey, you guys are a lot on a much deeper plane of your thought process when it comes to books and what you're trying to, you know, exercise your brain with than me. But uh, for me, like, I remember when I was a kid growing up, my parents um, invested money in us having, uh, I remember my parents working like two or three jobs a piece, but they always made sure my brother and I were taken care of. And our spiritual life was very important to them and still is. So we had like the Bible story books, we had the books, and they were like, Turn the page, and you know, we had a cassette one with it. They'll tell you when to. Oh, that's so, cool. So you could follow along. So I, I learned, I learned to read very well, very early, because of that. So we had like the Bible story books, and there was like Aunt Sue and Uncle Dan. I don't know if anyone out there remembers those, but they, they were. Um, I'm like, you have an Aunt Sue and Uncle Dan? <laughs> yeah. I thought that she was saying they was reading the books with you. But it's the same style, man. They had cassettes and books, and it was um, religious based stories of the kids who could learn religious lessons from the, the decisions they were making. And it was like interactive. Well, I just turning the page, almost like hey, that's interactive. When you were a kid, remember? Yeah, <laughs> you're dating yourself too. That's pretty I know, awesome. Man. <laughs> you're like projector. Yeah, I work with overheads, man. Dustin's like, what is, what is <laughs> yeah. a projector? Dustin's, 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 Dustin's like, your girl. book didn't come on a Kindle. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 we had overhead projectors too. Um, no, you had a big laptop. <laughs> it's called laptop. So like, when I was uh, like in elementary school, I remember there was this author named Matt Christopher, and he wrote all sports books. And the whole purpose of his books was there was always some kid new to the neighborhood and there was he was the antagonist and or the protagonist and the antagonist was always someone who was like it was almost like a karate kid story, you know, where like you got Johnny who's just a mean bully and you got Ralph Macho's character coming in and trying to, you know, just fit in. And there's always that come from behind win. So it's funny because crane kind of, kick. You got crane yeah, kick him, you know what I mean? But he was in the second one you had to do the the, the slide side to side. Look, I got food y'all don't I had a burrito. But, uh, but you know, it's funny because those kind of stories are like intrinsic in in the comic book world. Yeah. You know, like Captain America is one of those guys that um, is always just trying to do the right thing, no matter what scenario he's in. You know, right. we might get into someday what character we identify with the most. Oh yeah. But you know, but since then I've read a lot of things. I've read all the Harry Potter books. I I, I like getting out of reality. I really do. You know, I definitely read. Mm. C.S. Lewis's entire collection, um, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, that whole series by Tolkien. I've read all of that. Hey, have you read um, Watership Down? Because that's <laughs> out of reality and yeah. in reality no, at the same time. No, have you read Ender's Game? Yes. No. Mm, Ender's yes. Game is a very out of reality book. It's, 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 so, it's so like a, so the picture it's a book? philosophy book, man. It's, it's it a really good is. book. Yeah. Wow. Orson Scott Card. Yeah, and the sequel um, to that. Speaker of the Dead. Speaker of the Dead was like even more profound. Like you really wonder where it was developing and where it was going. And is this Ender? Is it not Ender? And you, you really kind of. Well, it took this completely different angle from 
yeah, Ender's Game. Absolutely. Like Ender's Game was almost like a hardcore. You could see Ender's Game turn into like an '80s movie, and they finally yeah, did they it did make years later. With Dave Matthews. Oh, never mind. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> Get out. Finish my That joke will come up in every season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David Matthews as the Goblin King. Yeah. Uh, but no, the uh, didn't Orson? He did uh, Iron Man. He did the uh, yeah. He did. He wrote two Iron Man series for the Ultimate Universe. Yep. Yeah. And he, um, but Speak of the Dead was just, you're right, it was like a complete 180 from the first book. It had a lot of science fiction in it still, but it was more you know, deep and philosophical. It was, you know what it was, is, and it was written exactly that way, is it was a, a whodunit crime novel, like a mystery book. Almost like when I was a kid reading the Hardy Boys, you know, it's mm-hmm. another yeah. one of those. But it also okay. commented on, um, like, xenophobia and how yeah. different cultures can be so different from one another that one culture would see something as completely and totally evil just because but yet to that culture it's just daily life preach I mean I'm sorry and it would be similar like you know if we lived if we coincided with the Aztecs I mean some of their some of their practices well there's almost like a almost like a God story there too because the you know the investigator comes and he ends up rendering his decision and it's final and everybody the whole book everybody's waiting for him to finish his investigation and render his decision and that's almost biblical, you know. It's, yeah. it's really a profound step to take. You know, we got and, and I read um, recently, like I read a lot of like the young adult stuff. It's like the Aragon series with the. Ooh, those are good. Those are really good. I enjoyed Harry Potter. I'll tell you one, I really like that was sci-fi. Like, Al- don't give me that look. Here. Like all the way to the end was I am number four series. Oh yeah, that was I seen the movie. I ain't read the book. The, the, there's like eight books <laughs> in the first series, and they're all in the second mm-hmm. series. That was um, it's the movie. Who's that where it's like a Chris Evans? Chris Evans is in it. Yeah. Nah, that was Fantastic Four. I am no four. It's got the skinny little pretty boy dude in it, but it it is a pretty cool movie though. But then I I, I transitioned one of the books I read a lot. I I say I like to get out of reality, but you know I read a lot of war biographies. I I like stories of ordinary people doing exceptional things. I like the true life account of Stephen Ambrose. Who were a band of brothers, wrote mm-hmm. Citizen Soldier, and uh, a number of other books. I've read all of them. I know he's kind of been discredited to an extent because he kind of embellished some of the interviews he had, but I don't think he embellished Band of Brothers because you had the opportunity when HBO made the series to see the interviews of those guys, and those accounts were pretty accurate to the way that he authored it in the book. And so I, I like those. There's a couple other more, I like the more recent stuff that deals with things going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. So you've got uh, Operation Anaconda. 13 um, Hours and stuff like that. Yeah, 13 Hours of Benghazi. The story was, yeah. a, was another really good read. Um, and I really liked, um, there's a book I'm reading now, I'm just getting started. It's called Then They Came For Me. And it's about, um, it's about this doctor during the Nazi era. And he watched as the Nazis came and took his neighbors away and he didn't worry about it because they weren't looking for him. Um, and then they came for him. And it, it, it's a book where it talks about, it's a biography, but if you read his autobiography, he, he talks about how he um, he became really aware of the fact that he had neglected his own responsibilities in looking out for his people. And he spent the rest of his life trying to make up for that, you know, trying to help, you know, deal with the Nazi issue and things like that. And it was really amazing, you know, the return he takes. So I've watched some biographies of him and now I'm reading the books. And I find that that doctor very interesting. I, I really can't think of the name right now for some reason. My to-do list is Bear One Over the Mountain, which is a, a book that anyone who goes to fight in Afghanistan tries to pick up and read because it was it's a book written from the Russian point of view of where they failed when they fought um, the, Afghan, the Afghans um, back in the 80s. And my go-to for everything was always Star Wars. I have read every Star Wars book in the expanded universe, and then Disney wrote it <laughs> by saying it's not canon. Yeah, so many great stories. That's the day. I, I swear to George trying to take over my brain. He's just staring right into my soul. That's what she does. Because there's popcorn in the room. Chris Evans was in Push, not I Am Number He was in Push, yes. That's what I was Push thinking of. pretty much the same That's story. <laughs> yeah. You were just not You were from space. Name it after I Am is terrible. <laughs> but then the other one's kind of held biblical influences. And, uh, I'm kind of all over the place in the Bible. You know, I, I write a lot of sermons now, and but I'm on a series right now that's really making me focus on the life that Jesus lived, not not the after effects, but the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm trying to, in chronological order, um, present 
um, the lessons of Jesus' life that he lived taught us. And it was a, it's a lot more complex than I thought because I thought I would kind of breeze through his life as a child and his baptism. And I thought I would also put in um, when he was tempted in the desert. I thought that all three of those would be one sermon. No, they're each their own sermon because there's so much there. Um, and it's it's really profound when you actually break down the life of Jesus and every single thing he did was intentional. Everything, Every single thing he said, no matter how quickly he thought of it, was well thought out and he just drove home his points. That's hard. That's hard to do. It is. <laughs> That's it is. And, you know, I'm at a point now where now finally my next sermon, which will actually be this weekend, is going to be on um, the next thing Jesus did in his, his timeline is he started to choose his followers. And, you know, in, in choosing his followers, you know, he was very careful and selective with that. And you kind of have to dive even further into what those disciples accomplished after Jesus was gone to really kind of realize the pieces that Jesus put in place when he chose them. And then why he chose them. Like, that's... I think it's very... Yeah. yeah you can dig he into... Saw, yeah. He saw more in them than they do in themselves. Right. Peter's a great example. He was like, I'm a fisherman, bro. Like, yeah, he was convinced he would be nothing but a failure. It probably know. sounded just like that, too. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine, Peter? I'm a fisherman, bro. Jesus was like, hey... I'm not worried about what you call you. It's about what I call you, bro. That's probably exactly how it went. Right now, focus on, on the life of Jesus. I like the minor stories. I like the stories of the minor prophets a lot um, because it's kind of like um, what you were saying with Ecclesiastes, that you've got these guys who have such small battles to fight, um, but they're so big at the time. And they become bigger than them. It just it, it builds and builds and builds, and they struggle with what. How do I handle this? How do I present this? How do I, you know, God guide me? And, uh, and really, God calls them to weird stuff, yeah, right? And he, and he calls someone just said earlier too. How he calls the least of us, yeah. And, sure. and that's that's comics right there too. The whosoever's you know, the story of Captain America being this little scrawny little boy from from Queens, no Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, and then you know he's called to. A greater glory and a greater purpose, but he never relinquishes his responsibility. That he takes that that seriously. And then his character is what, I, to me, made him Captain America, not just his physical attributes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole history of the comics, and they summed it up perfectly at the end of the uh, first Avenger with uh, Chris Evans, where you know. He's basically beaten, he's down on his knees, and the Red Skull's like, essentially, what makes you so special? And he's like, nothing, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. And that, you know, it's just like, meanwhile, he's a dude that can throw a shield across the room and have it reflect off of six different people and come back to him. <laughs> yeah, I, like I tried that. To the new Spider-Man movie we won't discuss. No. I tried to do that at a youth group one time, and the kids, it didn't, it didn't work. And then what, what I'm doing now, comic book wise, is you guys, I'll tell you what, you guys are opening up so many things to me, because I kind of stepped away from comic books, and... When we start talking about script, like, man, I got I got to catch up because I'm not in any conversation. I can't figure this out. So I read The Secret Wars and um, I read The Vision and a couple of other things that you guys were really kind of big on. But because now that I'm really big on um, into um, Descender now, which was a really great storyline, and I bought this huge thick book and realized it's only like part one of three. <laughs> I got to buy two more big books, and then I was in the comic book store there all the other day and saw that now we've moved on to Ascender instead of Descender. So I, I got a lot of catch up to do. But man, it's really it's really got me kind of hooked. It got me pulled in. And it's a great storyline. Yeah, yeah, man. So Dustin, what about you, man? What books have guided your life? Yeah, From so I'm a I'm a big far. book guy. I'm a big. <laughs> Uh, so I went so you, don't, you don't like little books, just big books? Just big books. Okay, yeah. okay. So I like uh, big books. And I, okay, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Bible version of that? That's what that was. I like big books and I can't lie. what? Right up there with Napoleon Dynamite. And Ultra, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you put those together. Oh, man, that's a remix from heaven. <laughs> Corny. Get out. Uh, <laughs> Zach, you stop. Um, so yeah I was a big philosophy guy that's what I went my undergrad was at my master's was at St. John's College which is in Annapolis it's literally a great book school and you literally just sit around and read the great books such as Homer and Plato and Aristotle so books have been kind of big in my life uh, especially after I came to faith it was one of those where I just became a 
huge reader, but I would have to say uh, Calvin's Institutes. That's my number one. It's this thousand page tome. I thought and, you were say Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes, man. But Calvin and Hot Calvin is named after John Calvin. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Institutes, it's just, it's his kind of, this is what I believe about God, about the world. And it's written in such a way that even non-Christians today recognize it as something special. Right. You know, I mean, St. John's College is a secular university, yet they study Calvin's Institutes. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, other books, The Pastor by Eugene Peterson. Peterson wrote the Message Bible uh, and his book called The Pastor is really kind of his memoir of what it was like becoming a pastor, uh, living it out as a pastor, and then kind of finishing the race. And so... Those two, I would say, are the big kind of ones I'm constantly going back to over and over again. Fiction-wise, it's got to be... I always tell people when you come to Anchor Church, if you're going to understand any of my sermons, you got you to gotta watch or read Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You got to watch the Dark Knight trilogy. And you got to watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those are the big three. So... Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, those are the big go-to, uh, I would say fiction-wise, that I'm often pulling from. So, Watership Down is not... <laughs> never, <laughs> never heard of this. Okay. Oh, we're going to keep going back. Well, no, I mean, I think I it's great. Think the bunnies drown in that movie. Yeah, right? you're so yeah, dark, right? Skirka. They, they, they die much more horribly than yeah. that. Yeah, it's, Goodness I mean, What do you have against bunnies? It's an yeah. analogy for war. Are you bunny racist? <laughs> bunny racist. Are you happy that uh, they don't shit. live? It's an analogy for all kinds of bad stuff. But, um, no, that's really neat. And it's kind of funny. One thing that's been amazing to me, um, just actually in kind of going along this adventure and just by working with different churches in the area since I became a youth leader, um, is how many pastors or guys at different churches that I've met that kind of also like the saddest, the uh, science fiction portion of it, of, of literature as well. Uh, and just another example is uh, Pastor Frank Short over at Real Life. He's another uh, guy who's really like, he loves MCU movies. He loves a lot of the comic stuff and can hold a long conversation like we've had. And it's just kind of neat seeing like so many guys that kind of travel along the same paths. Um, just a something Tim was saying earlier. Uh, you were talking about the sender and ascender. They just announced uh, today that Jeff Lemire, the writer of that, is writing a Joker series for DC Black Label. So that should be incredible. But um, no, it's just kind of neat. And yeah, it, I think it would be really fun to see a sermon that incorporates all that into it. I mean, if you think about the uh, expanse of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, you have 22 different stories coming together over a period of 100 years that involves all these different characters that are leading up to this one moment. There's only one other story that's ever done that. It's the Bible. You know, there's nothing and even comes close to what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, another great book, uh, Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. It's about this barber who lives in a small rural Kentucky town and he's just kind of, it's supposed to mirror Dante's Inferno. Mm. So it's just kind of cool. If you live in a rural area, you have to read Jaber Crow. It's like phenomenal. Yeah, look it up. uh, Other than that. Does he do fades? You think he does fades? Probably. Yeah, it seems like it. But I'm a huge, yeah, reader. Tim mentioned Scribd earlier. Scribd is like Netflix for books. So they have audiobooks like Stop Wasting Your Money with Audible because it's only eight bucks a month and you get unlimited audiobooks. So I listen to that a lot. Hoopla, that's the other app I use. Tons of uh, audiobooks, but I also use Hoopla for a lot of the comic books. So they put graphic novels on Hoopla. So, so if you guys want to sponsor us, you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hoopla, script. If you're <laughs> out there listening, right, right. This is for you. Just cost you a pizza episode. Graphic novel wise, Batman's always been huge influence. When I was five, 
I've told this story to you guys. I had kidney cancer. And uh, one of the things that helped me get through it was the fact that the local comic book store down the street just gave me Batman comics. Yeah, that's a great story. You know? And so it's one of those like Batman's been such a huge influence. You know, Gary and I were talking off uh, line here a second ago in I was part of this Facebook group and they were asking like, oh, like which people, which books have influenced your preaching, your theology? And I was like, oh, like my theology's Calvin, my preaching's Tim Keller. But, you know, my understanding of following Jesus's mission has been Batman. You know, like here, like on a serious note, here's a guy who's all out. I'm going all out for this one purpose, this one goal, knowing that I'm not going to succeed in this lifetime. But I'm going to leave everything out on the table, no matter the cost to myself. And that's the mission of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus here. So, yeah, Dark Knight Returns. I'm recently just going through all of uh, Snyder and King's run. And, uh, yeah, Snyder's one of those guys I just enjoy. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure everybody's picturing Dustin right now, though, on top of a building at night with some tights on reading the Bible, though. Like, this guy's grapple gun. Yeah, grapple gun. Which we live on the eastern shore of Maryland, so the buildings aren't very high. It's just the Avalon Theater. Yeah. You can use a ladder to get No, no. He's safe. If he falls, he's safe. We didn't say Dustin was stupid. He's a smart Batman. That's true. By roof, we meant the roof of his house. You're right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the cops can call the wing just yeah. below. Right. With the Tim Burton Batman theme playing in the background. Yeah. What I could say. And by his a costume, it's clearly just probably Batman tidy whities So now picture that. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> he's like, no, really, really sexy. Yeah. I just envisioned myself dressing like that. Yeah. He's like, you never know what fantasy. Like, I'm not going to say there are pictures out there. Right. He said, I'm not going to say they're not, though. <laughs> so, yeah. My, live action shots. My books would probably be coloring books was my thing growing so up. Going. No, no. I, I liked. Daisy uh, Duck. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she, I like Daisy Duck, man. She, she had an attitude. She was sassy. Well, so. Girls with Daisy Duck. I'm sorry. <laughs> And he says he doesn't have musical talent. Look, Zach's blushing right now, so he's literally picturing Daisy Duck. So apparently he twerking. listens to that song a lot. Yeah. No. Go back to the music yeah. episode. You said like yeah. you wanted to go. Yeah. Like, Two no. yeah. The people at home listening to this just can't see the look Dio gave Gary when he said that. Because he ruined Daisy Duck for me just now, because now I'm pitching her twerking. I don't want to see that. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Nobody wants to pitch a cartoon doing all that. But I, I really wasn't a reader like that growing up. I did more doodling and drawing. And you dropped your wallet, bro. Let me just got jacked. You know, I did a lot of drawing and stuff. So I did color, but I really didn't color in the lines too much. I kind of made my own. And when I, you know, when I took comic books, I took them and I tried to redraw them. So I don't know a lot of the origins. I don't like. I don't know a lot of the. Um, like the numbers and who the authors were and illustrators. I just looked at them and said, oh, I want to do that. And so I did, you know, and some of them looked like really bad. Like uh, imagine some of the comic book heroes and you trying to do it right now with your left hand. Some of them look like that, you know, and it was just bad. But then some of them turned out pretty good. Like my favorite was Wolverine because he always, most of his, um, action shots were all very aggressive looking. So I just, for whatever reason, I just, he was just so hardcore to me, you know, growing up. So I would always draw Wolverine and then found out Venom. And I was like, man, Venom, this dude's tough. For some reason, I've always kind of, um, I guess, been more attracted to the Serial killers. Serial killers. That's what I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, unheroes, but we're anti-heroes. Yeah, I like those dudes. You know what I mean? Deadpool. You know, the guys who, you know, I don't think they're a hero. You really don't want your daughter watching it if she's too young. But they do help out. They might kill a lot of people along the way, but they do some good sometimes. Everybody deserves it. 
Yeah, everybody considered it. Except for Deadpool. He's kind of a, a jerk. So, <laughs> well, he's hilarious. Wolverine had that, you know, he's always had that story arc where he considered himself kind of a failed samurai, where he has this ideal he wants to live to, but he fails at it all right. the time. Um, you know, and it's really played really well in uh, Chris Claremont and Miller's Wolverine limited series from the 80s, because it's that whole... Thing. He's trying to find honor so he can marry the love of his life. Um, but meanwhile, there are all kinds of hurdles that he has to get through to get there. And part of it is that he keeps failing. He, you know, he gives in to the animal inside. Yeah, um, that's life, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very good analogy for a lot of the same stuff that we face every day. That's why yeah. it's so easy to identify with the Wolverine right. more than a Clark Kent Superman type of guy. You know, they've always they've tried to humanize Superman over the years, and there are some good writers that have done that, like John Byrne and some of the current writers, like um, Bendis right now. But at the same time, it's this guy who's a good analogy for Jesus Christ flying around, lifting you know planes and trains and automobiles, and you know, wow, it's yeah, I know, right? I just <laughs> quoted another movie. Not that yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I appreciate that. But, um, <laughs> Dustin never seen no idea. Movie. I just know. He's like, I'm a kid. I've never seen that movie. Get out. <laughs> hey, you can't tell me to get out. You already been told me. Yeah, you told me twice. We're up in a cave. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean. I called Tombstone when I was like six. <laughs> Dustin, you might amazing. have to have a whole episode on Zach's childhood. I feel like Dustin, I feel like Dustin, <laughs> Dustin wanted to say some stuff, but he was like, I'm going to let Zach do that. You want you to find interesting, though, that. I love how the comic books. That there's a there's a scene in the movie, uh, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. It, it starts off with a narration and saying, um, "I've long feared that my past would come back to haunt me, right. um, but now I've, my fear is that it would come back to haunt my children." And you know, here most of our comic characters, Wolverine's a great example of that. Of, no matter what he does, he's never free and clear of his past. He's always got to answer for what he's done. Or for this, for, not maybe not what he's done, but the things he's put in motion. And that's a, that's a recurring theme through a lot of comic books where you you, you get done with a run, and an author does a great job with, with telling a great story, and then you turn around, you know, in, in next year, and you bring back another run with a different author, and that author's going, well, because Captain America did this in that series, this is the result of that. It's just a continuing storyline, but you're never free of your past. Yeah, that was why. Yeah. The, Video game uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Oh yeah, you guys ever play that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't realize it was one of those where your actions had effects at the end of it. So oh, you finish the game, and I'm like, oh, I beat it. And they're like, oh, because you didn't save uh, the princess from the Shi'ar Empire, the whole right. East Coast blew up. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, wait, like, what? But I, but I won. Dude. Yeah. Like, I can't win. And people will die. Yeah. They can't blow up the East Coast. That's crazy. That's one of those huge yeah. books, like to the max. Yeah. Uh, right. But I was Wolverine, slashed everything up. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. I didn't kill them, <laughs> or did I? Yeah. Yeah. But see, the way the way my brain is wired is like, I, I never really could just sit down and read a book, like having severe ADHD and then having an artistic mind. Like I'm like, all right. I see these words coming together, but then I want to draw a picture around them because it would be cooler to me and it would be easier for me than to read this page. I'd rather just draw on it and create something from nothing. In my mind, the words on the page were nothing because I didn't write them because I'm like, oh man, I would have wrote this. Or even now, like it's kind of a problem. Like I'll, re I'll watch a movie or read something or whatever and I'm just like, oh man, so they should have did this. I'll hear a song and I'm like, oh, he should have said this because it rhymed with this other word and he didn't he missed that and so it's it's a gift and a curse because I can write words and I can have almost every single word rhyme with the next bar that has every single word rhyming with the next one I can do that four or five times stay on topic and flow but at the same time listen to somebody's song that's kind of like rhyming in phrases would be like rhyming one word at the end of every bar which is a line to me that, that drives me crazy because there's so much more potential in that within those bars to rhyme so many more times which would have the the flow which is the the hop to the in the hip-hop whatever it, it gives it that bounce to me so when i hear it is the same thing with music as it is with like books and movies i'm like oh they should have did this because of how my, my mind works 
every song I've ever written, I have a video concept to in my brain. And it's just, it's good, but at the same time as a kid, you can't exactly explain that because then I'm like, all right, well, we're going to send you to this other classroom and you got to color. And I'm like, crap, they're coming to get me again. You know, so you skip going and that doesn't work out for you because then, you know, you don't want to be in those classes. And so the next thing you know, you're going on field trips and you got to tell them, well, I'm a teacher's assistant. <laughs> but that's irrelevant. You know, I'm, I'm an adult now. Did you ever have draw a, your own comic? have a real job, huh? Did you ever draw your own comic? Yeah, um, I have. I've created characters. I've drawn my own comics. What were their storylines like? Crazy. They all needed help. They had medical and mental issues and stuff. You know what I mean? But not, it was. I did like hybrid characters where I'm like, oh, I like the toughness of Wolverine, but I like the agility of Spider-Man. I don't want webs, but I love how certain things he does. Like he's just so kind of graceful with it, like a gymnast. You know what I mean? Like I'm like whoever plays. Uh, like Spider-Man, he probably should be a gymnast. It just seems like just the way he they move, and you know, like I love that stuff. But then I love that the mindset of Deadpool. Like I don't even care. And then same thing with Venom. Like that dude would bite somebody in half and not even think twice about it. That's kind of a problem, you know what I mean? Because and it, how I grew up was you didn't think about consequences. You reacted right then because if you didn't somebody was going to react right there on you. So simple as that, you know what I mean? So with that whole mindset, that whole mentality, my escape was not going and kind of like locking myself in a room and reading. Mine was, I'm going to create this place that I can go to that, you know what I'm saying? Thing with poetry. Like I would write poetry, but you grew up in the city and the, urban area you can't be like oh yeah i wrote this poem last night bro check it out like thinking like you're something else you know what i mean i just literally censored myself just to see it um but you know what i mean so they say in brooklyn park <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah brooklyn park they, they'll say some things you know but brooklyn park mm-hmm. where are you from dear uh, PG County, so uh, closer like Bladensburg, Riverdale area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. but yeah, so you know where I grew up was like, you know, you, you do certain things, you kind of don't tell nobody until we called it Jonin. So I would literally Jonin would like make fun of people, cutting on people, whatever, and it was to a point where I got so good at it that I would do it in rhyme with it, not knowing what a battle rap was. I was just like. Good. I'm like, well, you can join however you want, but I'm going to sit at the back of the bus and I'm going to fry anybody who comes close and I'm going to do it and make it rhyme. And then it was like, oh, you want to battle? You want to battle? Deal? You know what I mean? And that's kind of how it happened. Um, but, you know, that's how my mind, my mind has always worked was how can I create something that I think is awesome? And even now, I don't just write certain things to write it. I try to, if I do a song, I want to, you know what I mean, make myself... And, and I want to deliver the best possible version of myself on that song because at any point in time, if somebody hears it, I don't want them to be like, oh, the music sounds great, the singer's amazing, but the dude who's rapping, uh, lyrically, he's some garbage. I challenge you, nobody can say that. I promise you, nobody can say it. Like, rappers hear our songs and, like, yo, how are you doing this over a rock beat when. Like, I don't even do it over a hip-hop beat. And I'm like, I, I want to make myself the best possible version of myself in that song. Like, because I, I knew before I even opened my mouth, before we went on stage to minister anything, we had three strikes against us. First and foremost, we was Christian, going to bars, doing music. Second, I was rapping over a rock beat. And third, and the most obvious is, I'm not black and I'm rapping. So people are looking at me and... Yeah, so you know what I mean. So people sit there like, "Hold on, wait a minute." You rap. At one time, we had a uh, my, my man Jay was. Uh, he did a, a he played congos with us, and he played drums a little bit. But he was our congo player, and he's a black dude with dreads. So we would mess up everybody, and we would mic check and have him go to the stage, and he would check the mics just for volumes or whatever. And uh, you know, black dude with dreads were like, "Oh yeah, that must be the rap band right there," and he would go up there. And uh, they were like, all right, well, I want to I hear this dude go. Like, I never heard of him, but I heard about him, blah, 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 whatever. Then I'm back there, like, tapping on the Congos. And then next thing you know, the show's going to start, and we'll switch. And I go up and start rapping. They're like, hold on, what is going on right here? That dude's not black. <laughs> but especially when you go into D.C., which is a go-go area, they're like, oh, that makes sense. 
So, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just kind of different. But so that's how I've always been. I've always been that person to create, try to create something, even if something's perfect. Like, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the comic books that I would look at and read. But I just had to do my own because that's how my brain works. And that's kind of awesome because obviously becoming a, a follower of Jesus and reading the Bible and digging into that, like these things, like I paint pictures when I read it. So I'm reading it. And the only way I can kind of read it without going to sleep, like any book is I have to create this image. If I, if it says Jesus went to Peter and, you know, asked him to follow me, I'll teach you how to be fishers of men and, you know, pull them from the boat. Like I literally imagine Jesus doing that. And I hope everyone does, but that's the only way I can do it. I have to create this scene. And usually it's like a comic or it's not an actual dude because I wouldn't even know exactly how to do that. But I create like characters and that's pretty much how I have it make sense. And that's how I relate it to me. And that's how I've always done with comic books. So it's, it's always hard for me, man, to like read an actual book without just creativity just pouring out and me just pushing the book away and start working on something else. So that's me. I'm just picturing you sitting on the back of a school bus surrounded by a bunch of My Little Pony saying, what? Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. I would wear My Little Pony t-shirt and be like, yo, big time in the ponies, bro. You got pony collection out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, My Little Fanny Pack and stuff. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. My Little Dio. Um, so... You know, just uh, Tim was talking about military books earlier, and I just want to kind of throw two senses in about that. I have a hard time with military books um, just because, you know, you read them and they, you, know, you have to be careful nowadays because you know, it's not like the old days where you had these special operators that never talked about what they did. You get all these books that come out. It seems like every few months you have a new book from a different guy and, you know, you read later where they've gone back and debunked some of the things that have been put out in those books. So just always take everything with a grain of salt. And just to point out, I'm, I'm not a special operator. I've never been around that world. I have buddies that have been, and I always ask them when a book comes out, I'm like, Hey, so what about this guy? And you know, they'll give me the scoop, but almost unanimous. Like you, What's that word? Yeah. I like your word better. Yeah. Almost you now. It sounds like you have peanut butter oh. in your mouth. <laughs> it's like a dog with peanut yeah. butter on It's like you bit your tongue. Like, like, um, but <laughs> almost unanimously, everyone recommends uh, Dick Couch's books. And one of the best ones to start off with is a book called A Tactical Ethic. And it's a really, really good book where he talks about ethics in tactical warfare. And it's kind of very interesting to read. And then he uh, he also followed a Navy SEAL class through BUDS. And then he followed uh, part of that class and other classes through finishing schools. So if you look him up on Amazon, he has a whole uh, plethora of books that he's written. And he was actually a Navy SEAL during Vietnam. So just very interesting author yeah. to throw one out there. I feel the military book I've read is Starship Troopers. Based on a true story. Is <laughs> that a comic book? Starship yeah, Troopers. It's a book. It's, a, it's a really good book. Yeah, it's by uh, Richard Heinlein. Yep. They got a movie too. I've seen the movie's not very good. Well, the movie's great, but it's not. It's a parody of the book. You completely just change your mind in that. Yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> the movie's not good. Well, the movie's great. Like it's good in that satire. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's good in that campy Robocop. Yes. Uh, where it's good because it's so bad. Okay. Like, it made all, all the sense when Skurga just said Robocop. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. That movie's... So. It's okay. They redid it. I haven't even seen the newer one, though. Yeah. I haven't. I know they redid it, like, a couple years ago. I haven't Robocop? seen it, but, yeah. Yeah, it's not very good. You're not just <laughs> They're supposed to be making, uh, remaking Starship Troopers, too. It's not going to be great. Oh, but then it's going to be great. Wow. Yeah, they're actually remaking the book. Starship Troopers. Yeah. It's <laughs> we don't talk. Yeah, like, I don't know much about that, but I know everything about it. <laughs> Watership down. I think it might be an They're going to be redoing Starship Troopers. Yeah, I heard that. I was just looking to make sure I was right about uh, Paul Verhoeven directing that. Yeah, and he also directed Robocop, so yay. Yeah. Um, but he has know, I get old sometimes and I forget, you know. I don't want to throw out a 
movie if Joel Schumacher did it. Well, maybe I will if it's Batman and Robin. Um, but I, <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's definitely, it's interesting. So let's talk about that. When you read a book. And then you see the movies coming out. Initially, I get excited sometimes because I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what this character looks like. And then I go to watch the movie and I'm like, oh, I wish I had never seen that movie because the book was so much better. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And yeah. part of the reason is, and I've come to accept it as an old man, is that, you know, you'll get there in a little bit, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> is they can't take these books and throw them right up on the screen. I mean, there's so much that happens in the books. A, for most of the movies... You probably need about eight hours to encompass the book. And that's why you see in so many of the uh, comic movies, you'll see some diehard comic fans get completely bent because, you know, they changed the most minuscule thing. And it's like, that's good, though, because the one thing I've liked about the Marvel movies is I've read almost all the stories that they're based on, that they're putting on the screen, but they change it. So you never know what's going to happen. You're always surprised. If somebody just copies the book, there's no creativity. They've just copied the book and put it on screen. Um, one of the clothes, I mean, it was I another. Think the the DC animated's done that well though. When they take the storylines, mm-hmm. like their Dark Knight Returns Plus. is amazing because it literally just flows through, and it's set up perfectly like that. I can't let that go unaddressed. <laughs> My wife is listening to our conversation and she just texts me Twilight. What? Yes. You're done. I might kick you out of the house. <laughs> In the rain. <laughs> what I was going to say is if I was an author in today's day and age, I, I would look to have my books not on the big screen, but on something like what um, Netflix is doing with Stranger Things. Mm. I want it drawn out over series. And you're talking about the animated series. Yeah. Like that's how you tell. But to me, that's how that, that's the best storytelling. Because a two-hour movie doesn't doesn't it never does any book justice. It just doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. The Harry Potter books are great, and you go to see the movies, and the movies are great. But you go there looking for those are garbage. You go there looking for those <laughs> are garbage. For the movies, the, the movies. Yeah. No, I, I thought they I thought they did some really good things, but you're looking for the books. There's so many. J.K. Rowling is so detailed in her books that you go to movie. Th- to me, like this was a really important part in that book. I'd love to see that, and they don't have time for it in the movie. Yeah, and you know, and I know with the re-releases that you see on TV, like they they tend to add the cut scenes and things like that. We still kind of miss the little fun stuff that J.K. Rowling just so cleverly puts into her books. I didn't mind the movies. The audiobooks for Harry Potter is really good. I haven't gotten into those. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard an audiobook. Yeah, it's, it, it'd be great to see some of these storylines told. Like Netflix did it with. Daredevil, we were really getting a really good Daredevil story with Charlie Cox yeah. playing that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was canceled. good. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully well, the Punisher comes Some back. of the best adaptations I've seen of uh, written stories onto the screen was the original Batman the animated series. Yes. I mean, you know, those they took some actual stories straight from the comics mm-hmm. and Bruce Tim, the showrunner, adjusted it so it was still relevant and still a really good story. I mean, you can see a hint of what the comic was in the stories, and that continued all the way through to Superman, the Justice League. They played upon so many stories, but they changed just enough that it wasn't boring or it wasn't like, oh, I've already read this. Like, if they literally took some of the stuff that we're seeing in the Marvel movies now and did a, like, story beat by story beat moment with all the uh, movies to the comics... A, you'd lose a lot of fans because there are characters in those stories that haven't even been introduced yet. Right. B, it's just too much. I mean, some of the stuff that's included, I mean, look at a, uh, okay, so look at Watchmen. That was a good example. That, you know, Snyder's version, people are split. You either love it or hate it. I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, it's, I, it's not that much different from the book. No. The only Left difference is giant the, alien. It, yeah. yeah. Which the, I think is better. I took a shy away from the darker stuff. And Watchmen's definitely dark. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of it. It's just not something that's in my genre. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's had rave reviews as a comic book or as a graphic novel. And then it's, from what I saw of the movie, I've seen this and pieces of it. I don't, I don't think it's a horrible storyline. It kind of reminds me of, um, Sin City yeah. and the way that 
that was yeah. the way it was told, you know. But you're much it, more into you know straight Jedi's that kill yeah, a little well, children. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot lighter. It's a lot lighter. But it never shows. <laughs> it never shows him killing yeah, little children. I, I can take death a lot more than I can take some type of violent sexy. Oh, that's. It's, it's approached in Watchmen, but it's not the yeah, same can, detail. As and you can fast forward past it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you I can't fast forward past death, bro. <laughs> you can, you just won't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so we're probably going to go ahead and wrap this episode up as well. Um, again, just uh, continue to stay tuned. Thank you for listening. We'll be this fall improving our website, so we'll try to uh, regularly... Uh, release our Revelator reading lists. Um, we'll definitely include all the coloring books that Dio is currently coloring. Yes! Including artwork. But um, what we'll try to do is we'll try to post what we're reading to see if anyone else has any interest in what we may be reading or actually we'll set up something where you can share with us as well. So again, thank you for listening and this has been Pulp Revelators. Alone, I can one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots, give it all I got. All I got is this microphone.